This is from a recorded talk. So the time that we have left, the opportunity that we have left to practice is little. So we should try to establish our mindfulness as best we can and as frequently as we can. It's important as well to not force that, to not control it. We're just trying to bring the mind to peace and allowing things to follow their natural course. And so we follow up on the mind. We look at the mind knowing what it's thinking about. And it's similar to us taking care of a child. That If there's no one there to oversee it, to look after it, then it doesn't know much. It doesn't know to stay away from water and maybe it might drown. It doesn't know that fire is hot, so it may burn itself. And so that small child, it needs parents there looking after it, caring for it and watching over it, and always looking to see what that child is going to do. And so our minds are the same. When they're thinking, when they're proliferating, then we watch and we follow up on that, having the one who knows there looking at the mind, asking and seeing what it's thinking about. Is its ways of thinking, is that bringing harm, is that bringing destruction? Is it doing something that's going to cause suffering? And so we know we have this awareness there, this mindfulness there, but we also don't force. So sometimes we just want for the mind to experience good things, to think good things. And when we have practiced to a certain degree, or we start practicing, then it's normal to have this desire. But we need to be cautious here. We need to practice with a sense of putting down, letting go. Because the avicca, dhanha, upadana, the ignorance, the craving and the clinging that's been with the mind for a long time, these can compel the mind to think about bad things. If there's skillful qualities present, then the mind will think about good things. But we just know this. We follow up on the mind, looking after it, knowing what it's thinking about. And there are even some arahants who, even though they've attained to the Dhamma, um, they may still have some, say, characteristics that other people think are bad. And there was one... Arahant, who in his previous lives was a Brahmin for many lives, and he liked to speak quite harshly, or maybe to shout. And this was a, or the Buddha said that this was kind of a a habit that he had developed uh, due to his many lifetimes that he had had as a Brahmin. Uh, but now, because his mind was free from defilements, there was no harm that was brought about through that shouting. It was just an action that was uh, devoid of defilement. And so sometimes for us, uh, we don't want to have any bad qualities there. We have this intention to be good, but we also have these defilements, and these defilements produce thoughts in the mind. So if we attach to the mind and we attach to the thoughts as being me, as belonging to me, 
then this can cause a lot of inner agitation. The mind can even fall into hell. Uh, because of these bad thoughts, it can really burn up because we don't like these. We don't like these unskillful states present in the mind. And so this is vibhava dhanha, uh, not wanting to have, not wanting to be. And there's also bhava dhanha, this desire to have, to be. And um, if we just want for there to be good thoughts, to be good experiences, good emotions, now this is Kama Danha. So we have this ignorance, this craving and clinging. And from this, the proliferation of the mind comes up, and we don't like that. But if we can take it back to just the first level, uh, just that initial phase, um, when there are unskillful or bad thoughts coming up, and just know that, we just follow up, we just um, take things on that level. Because we see that these different feelings, these different emotions and thoughts, anger for example, no one likes those, but we do feel them at times. And especially if we're of the temperament to become angry frequently, we have this uh, dosa temperament, then this anger will come up a lot, and sometimes ill will can be really intense. So what should we do at those times? Well, initially, we need to bring up this power of patience and endurance. And then we contemplate death. We contemplate that all lives must end in death. So what's the point in hating anyone? There's no need to hate. There's no need to feel averse or angry because everyone will die. And all of us, we experience suffering. And if we feel angry, we're just burning our own hearts. So we see the danger in that. And then we bring the mind to cultivate loving-kindness, this quality of metta. And so we think and bring up these emotions that um, make the mind at ease, that bring about inner comfort. So we have this metta towards ourselves first wishing ourselves happiness. And in order to get this happiness, we need to cultivate our bharami and we need to walk this path of uh, sila, samadhi and panya. And also of dana, sila, bhavana. And so this aspect of bhavana, of mental cultivation, is really important because this is what's truly able to fix the suffering, solve the suffering that we experience in the hearts. And if our minds are devoid or have very little mindfulness and wisdom, even though we may have a lot of wealth, a lot of money, still the mind will experience suffering. We don't want to get that suffering, but we're still stuck in this cycle of birth and death. We're still stuck in sangsara. And we have this me and mine, self and other, that comes up. And the mind is deluded in this way. Even though these things of the world, in the sense of self, it's just a convention, the mind takes it to be reality. And so when it takes all these conventions to be reality, then self and other is born. Greed, hatred and delusion come up. And the mind really gets stuck into this, into these conventions.
So we need to contemplate the nature of these conventions to gain a true understanding of them, to see how all physical and mental things are just conventions. And when we see this clearly, then vimuti, then we experience liberation, this comes up. We free ourselves from all attachments. In the beginning, we need to bring up this quality of mindfulness a lot and to contemplate. And this is just like having parents for our hearts. Um, That we need to see the danger in things. The parents have this obligation, this duty, uh, to show the children danger and to always be watching and looking after them. So the mind is the same. We're always following up on the mind. We're always contemplating things. And just like uh, today, how we're training ourselves to have mindfulness, uh, no matter what posture we're in, whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down. We're also training ourselves to speak very little. Because if we talk a lot, then the mind won't be peaceful. But now we've been practicing at the monastery for three days and three nights, and so you should be starting to experience some inner peace. And even though tomorrow you'll be going back home, you should continue this practice, take it back with you. So we need to just be carrying on practicing in this way and carry on doing it. Even though we've studied many worldly subjects, we need to also come and study the science of Buddhism as well. Because if we don't do this, if we don't study the science, then the mind will be deluded until the day we die. If we've created a lot of good karma, then we'll get reborn in a good place. We'll go up to the heaven realms, to places of happiness, and be a deva there. But this is a temporary rest that we gain. And then we may come back to the human realm and carry on cultivating our barami in the human form. And then we carry on doing this until our barami reaches a state of fullness. And that's when we'll know and understand the Dhamma. That's when we're able to be rid of all the defilements. So having been born into this life, we shouldn't waste our lives, but we should use this opportunity that we have. And this really is the best opportunity that we can gain. We have both a body and a mind that is human. And we've had the opportunity to meet with the Buddha Sasana, this Buddhist religion. And we've been born in Thailand, a country which is Buddhist. And there are lots of people around us who have faith as well. And so this is a great form of merit for us. And sometimes when people are born overseas, then they don't have access to Buddhism there. And it's very difficult for a forest monastery to become established overseas. And some people, they, uh, they have this faith and they really want to have a forest monastery or to have the opportunity to um, go to a monastery there or to invite a great teacher over to their country so they can listen to their teachings. But it's really tough for this to happen. And sometimes they have to wait five years or seven years before one of these teachers can come and teach them. 
And so it's really difficult for them to find this opportunity. It's not easy at all. But for us, we already have this opportunity. We have these teachings available to us, and we can practice, and we can do this uh, frequently, come to the monastery every month and practice, listen to these teachings. So it's important for us to put in effort. And like how we have been, oh sorry, like how we eat food three times a day. But what about our hearts? They also need nourishment. And so the nourishment for the heart is the Dhamma. This is the food that will bring the heart to peace. But if we feed our hearts on greed, hatred, and delusion, then this will just bring us inner chaos, make the mind unsettled, make it frantic. So we need to be training, we need to be contemplating and just carry on doing this. We ask ourselves, well, how old are we now? How many years has our life already been going for? And if we live to the age of 80, then how many years do we have left? We see that we just stay in this world temporarily. And all the things that we gain here, they are just things that we borrow from the world and they don't actually belong to us. And as such, in the end, we need to give them back. And just like how if we take out a loan of money from a bank, for instance, this doesn't really belong to us, and so in the end, we have to give that back. So being born into the world is the same. We just borrow this body from the world. We borrow the water, we borrow the heat, we borrow the solidity or the solid things in it. And we borrow the air from the world. And this is just something that we hold on to temporarily. If we are intelligent, then we'll take this, uh, these elements, we'll take this heat and the solidity, uh, this water and this gas to create goodness and to develop um, good things, to the best of our abilities to raise and develop our minds to be higher. But if we are deluded, then we'll take these elements uh, to create bad karma. So for us, we should really set our minds on training our hearts so that we can gain knowledge, so that we can gain understanding into the Dhamma. So we contemplate that this life is something that's not sure, but death is for sure. Our lives, they must end in death, and death is the culmination of this life. So life is not sure, but death is sure. And for us, how many years do we have left? We just don't know. And how many times do we contemplate death? In the space of one day, how many times do we do that? And Venerable Ananda, he contemplated death very frequently, many times a day. And the Buddha asked him this question, how many times do you contemplate death? And he replied, seven times. He replied that when he woke up, he contemplated death. And then before going on arms around, he would contemplate death. Then on coming back, he'd contemplate. And then in the uh, noontime, he would contemplate death. And uh, towards the evening, you would contemplate. 
and then late at night, and then just before going to sleep, you would contemplate death, so seven times a day. So what about us? How many times do we contemplate? So the Buddha said that even though he contemplated death seven times a day, that was still being heedless. The Buddha replied that he himself recollected death with each and every in and out breath, which meant that he had this constant mindfulness with him, that he was never heedless. So in a 24-hour period, how many times do we recollect death? How many times do we think that we'll need to die? How many times do we think about what it is that we can take with us? What are we able to bring with us? And with that being the case, seeing that we do need to die, then what's the point in being angry? What's the point in hating? Because both us and these other people, we all need to die. And if we knew that in a very short period of time we would have to pass away, how are we going to prepare ourselves? How are we going to establish our minds? How would we be meditating then? What would we do so that our minds don't become gloomy or sad or depressed, and so that we can gain a good birth? We see that if we're worried or we're concerned about things in this world, if we're attached, then we don't get reborn into another realm, and there's great suffering there, because we're stuck here as a ghost, as a spirit, attached to things, attached to people, but we're not able to communicate with them. And there's a lot of suffering in that state. So we must train ourselves to not be worried and to not be attached. We need to train ourselves to be able to let go so that when we come to the point of death, we're able to do that then. To bring the minds to Buddha, uh, to recollect the goodness that we've done, to recollect the samadhi that we've been able to reach, or to just be able to let go, to think about the times that we've been able to let go. And so we can bring up one of these recollections, um, something that we feel skilled at, and do that so the mind feels happy, so that it feels at ease. Something that doesn't bring any harm to ourselves, to others. And we just train ourselves in this way. So that's what we're doing right now, is we're preparing ourselves so that when the mind is separated or will be separated from the body, when we need to die, then we'll be able to go to a good place. We're able to gain a good birth and to ensure that the mind doesn't fall down into any of the uh, realms of woe, of sadness. And so we must train our minds like this while we still have this breath to not be heedless. Because the Buddha taught that those beings who are heedless, it's as if they're dead already. Even though they're still breathing, they're actually dead. But the people who have effort, just one day and one night of effort, it's worth more than someone who lives an entire year, entire hundred years with heedlessness. So we must recollect death in order to bring the mind to peace. And if we could give a comparison to our lives, it's like a cow that's being led off to the slaughterhouse. In each and every step that it takes, it's one step closer to its death. And our lives are the same. 
every step that we take, every in-breath, every out-breath, we're one step closer to death. But we recollect in this way not to make ourselves sad or depressed, or not to make ourselves apathetic and feeling like we don't have to do anything, but rather it's to wake ourselves up and to see the nature of life, to see how life is not sure, so that we can put our efforts and energy into developing goodness as much as we can. If we see that when we die, we're not able to take any of these things with us, uh, then we'll be able to use our things well. During the time of the Buddha, uh, there was one layman who had a lot of faith, and he was a merchant, but he would always be thinking about what he was going to sell next and how he was going to make more money. The Buddha, however, gained the knowledge that in just seven days this man would pass away. And he saw that this man was still lost and his wealth was deluded by his wealth. So the Buddha asked Venerable Ananda about this man. And Venerable Ananda, through his intelligence, kind of knew that something was going to happen to him. And so he asked what would occur. The Buddha replied that in just seven days he would pass away. And so the Buddha went to this layman and um, he taught the layman about the nature of death. And this layman, he had mindfulness and he had wisdom and he could see that Venerable Ananda had never said anything like this to him before. So we knew that something dangerous was going to happen, something life-threatening was going to happen. So due to that, that awareness and that warning that he received, you know, he wasn't heedless, but he really established his mind well. And when he did die, then he was reborn in heaven. He was able to get this fortunate rebirth, this good rebirth, due to the kindness of the Buddha. The Buddha had metta for all beings. He had this great compassion for all beings. And it was no easy thing at all that he was able to attain to the Dharma and then take that Dharma that he had realized to teach. So for us to have this opportunity to listen to these teachings, to listen to the Dhamma, it's really not easy at all. The Buddha had to go through so much hardship for us to gain this opportunity. So having this opportunity that we do, we should use that well and take that and practice. Do sitting meditation, walking meditation, and really try to uh, develop this a lot. And so that we're not heedless. And so that we bring up a lot of mindfulness and wisdom. We're recollecting wholesome objects. So these two qualities of mindfulness and wisdom, they benefit and cultivate each other. That when we have more mindfulness, then our wisdom gets strengthened. And through that wisdom, then we're more able to bring up mindfulness. And so these are two factors of the seven qualities for awakening. And uh, another one of these is Dhamma Vijaya. Uh, the contemplation too, just one aspect of the Dhamma, and through doing this, um, then we can feel this great inner peace and joy, rapture arising 
and upeka, equanimity, can come up. And all of these seven bojangas, they can come together. So there's the Noble Eightfold Path, there's the five faculties and the five powers, and there's the four uh, itipadas, uh, the factors for success. And uh, so using these itipadas in the Buddhasasana, what we're doing is gaining success in the Dhamma, in our practice of the Dhamma. Uh, we have chanda, virya, jitta, vimangsa, these four qualities of uh, desire, uh, persistence, and uh, focus, and um, analysis. And we carry on using these um, so that we can attain to the Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on this, and I Rejoice in the goodness uh, that all of you are creating through your practice. I give my Anamodana, and may all of you grow and develop in the Dhamma.